Trevor is missing since the early hours of December 8th, 2000. Shortly after we learned of his disappearance, we discovered CCTV footage of him walking down Haddington Road at 4.14am. To this day, this remains the last confirmed sighting of Trevor. The reason we are here today is to appeal to that person or persons who knows what happened next. Welcome to episode number two of the Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you tonight? I'm great, Bill. Thanks for asking. And have we got a little something for you tonight? Oh, you're not kidding, (laughs) pal. I mean, we are quite worldly. Episode number one took us all the ways over to England, and tonight we're going back across the pond. Tonight we are headed to Ireland. Chris... Do you have your boarding pass, passport, and your seatbelt buckled? I am ready to go. All right, let's take off. Should oxygen be needed, a mask will drop from the compartment located above your seat. Pull the mask out of the clip. Then pull the mask to your face, placing it over your nose and mouth and securing it with the elastic band. Even though oxygen is flowing, the plastic bag may not appear to inflate. If you are sitting with someone needing assistance, put your mask on first, and then offer assistance. Woo! That was some landing. All right. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the mysterious disappearance of Trevor Daly. And that voice that you heard in the beginning of the show was Trevor's sister... Michelle at a recent press conference and this is really a a perplexing and puzzling story of one young man who had just seemingly had everything going on right in his life and uh, one night just tragically disappeared and we don't know if there was foul play involved if it was an accidental drowning um, but we do have just a little bit of evidence we have some cctv footage that was captured uh the night or the morning of trevor's disappearance yeah there's um there's a lot of ifs here on and some things that we're not too clear on and it almost seems as some of the information that we were that are that the garda which is like the the republic of ireland's police force they, they don't they don't get a whole lot of information from the people that he was dealing with that night and uh it almost makes you wonder you know you know is wherever was everybody truthful and well the events leading up to it you know everything seemed to be quite normal i mean the night in question trevor was attending a christmas party at the hilton hotel in dublin um and from all accounts his behavior was normal his interactions were um, not odd at all. As a matter of fact, he had headed to a nightclub called Buck Whaley's, I believe, with a bunch of his colleagues after the Christmas party. Um, 
they spent the night of drinking and you know having fun and whatnot and then at approximately 325 he left and i shouldn't mention that there was a huge storm that night high winds tons of torrential downpour and a cab strike am i right yes and uh that will be an and a very important piece of information later, seeing as there was no taxis around uh, to transport him uh, to his apartment. Um, so here we go. We've got a young lad. Uh, he is 22 years of age. Uh, just to give you a little quick background, he. You know, he went to school um, at uh, an institute of technology, um, dropped out the second year, and then took a computer course in Dublin. And then in May of 1999, he starts working uh, in the IT department of the Bank of Ireland Asset Management on Leeson Street. And from all accounts, he was an ideal employee and a great co-worker. Uh, there had been no problems with his work history and no personal problems to have uh, been noted by his family or friends. The only interesting thing that happened uh, prior to his disappearance was that Trevor had flown to Alaska from Ireland to meet up with uh, a girl that apparently he had met when she was vacationing over in Ireland. From reports that we hear from his friends that she was kind of giving him the cold shoulder when he had mentioned to her that he wanted to come visit her but he decided to go anyway she you know she was making all sorts of excuses i'm busy like you know it's not going to work out timing wise he decided to take the trip and i guess you know he should have listened to her because it didn't go well um he then heads back and we don't know i mean how dejected he is or you know how if he's feeling rejected or whatnot or you know what's going on in his own head but that was just one minute little thing that had been mentioned prior to his disappearance. And we don't think that that ties into anything that um, happens next because the police had gone over there to interview her as well as some of Trevor's family members. And the, the girl was very forthcoming with them that there was essentially nothing really between them. And it was a trip that she even advised Trevor not to take. Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, it would seem very odd uh, if there was any ties to that at all. Um, and uh, just Jesus, I'm. I mean, that's a long way to fucking go. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> that's a long way to fucking go when you're getting bad vibes <laughs> over the phone. Yeah, seriously, how long is that flight out there? I mean, and it's God, it's gotta be cold as fuck too. It's November in Alaska. Yeah. You gotta be. Hell no. Um. I have a hard time driving fucking two hours. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, no no way. Uh, so, okay. So, he does that. He comes back. Uh, so, now we're, we're fast forward to that night again. Hilton Hotel for the party. Buck Whaley's nightclub. Now, I will mention to you that Buck Whaley's nightclub is on Leeson Street. His office is also on Leeson Street, so they kept this very local. Um, 
which is why he will be walking to his office now at this point. So at Buck Whaley's, he leaves about 3.25 in the morning. He is now walking um, towards... It's the same direction as his apartment, um, which is in Ballsbridge, but he is going to make a, a stop first at the office. And there are some accounts that say that he was stopping specifically with the idea of picking up an umbrella, which, you know, kind of makes sense, I guess, because there were reports of wind gusts up to 60 to 70 miles an hour, torrential downpour, and like we said before, the taxi strike. But the only thing that strikes me kind of odd is that, you know, if he's already walking in this, to stop into your place of work to grab an umbrella, you know, hoping that you can even get in there, when you're already soaking wet, you know, aren't you better off just kind of, you know, making your yeah, move and heading straight for if, home? If the gusts of wind are as high as 60 or 70 miles per hour, isn't that going to turn your umbrella into a kite? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that umbrella is going for a ride. <laughs> and so are you, pal. And whoever is holding on to the other end of it. Um, okay, so it's about a 10-minute walk. So he leaves from the nightclub. 10-minute walk to the office. Yes, we have him exiting Buck Whaley's at approximately 325. And we don't have CCTV footage of that, but what we do have is CCTV footage from outside of his office. So as we see Trevor approaching, which happens... He first comes into view at 3.34 a.m. So, as Chris was saying, that's approximately a 10-minute walk. But prior to that, the cameras show a gentleman dressed in black hanging out. And by hanging out, I mean this ominous figure squeezed in between almost two stone pillars. Right, Chris? Like, yeah. Almost like he, he's hiding. He, you, you see his full body for a little bit. And then he, it almost looks like he's cornering himself deeper against this pillar to the point where you, you can't see him yeah and he was roughly there for about 30 minutes i think prior to trevor right. showing so up we'll we'll go back to the the fact that he was there prior to trevor showing up but you gotta remember it's stormy rainy windy as hell what the, what the hell is this guy doing standing out in the open there's no there's no protection where he is right now It, it makes absolutely no sense. And especially if you get a chance to Google Earth the actual location of uh, Trevor's uh, building, it makes even less sense. And it, it just adds to the ominous factor of it where you have this guy almost laying in wait for upwards of a half an hour waiting for Trevor to come through. And it's he receives a phone call, right? It's almost, let, let me back that up. You see Trevor coming down the street. He then jumps out of this little patch of, you know, this little area, this little hidden area that he's in, pretends to be on a phone, or he's actually taking a phone call. We don't know. Then Trevor walks past. Now, this is the very interesting thing. It takes 19 seconds for Trevor to walk, what was it, about a 20-foot path? So we see Trevor walk past this guy. Suddenly... This guy is now in front of Trevor at the entrance, the other entrance of the building. 
So how the fuck did he get in front of him if Trevor had walked past him already? And here's the right there. So obviously there's nobody, there's not that many people at this time in the morning on the road. So he clearly sees this guy that he's walking past. And now he somehow gets to the next gate before Trevor does. And now he's standing right next to Trevor. So you could see the two exchanging words. I'm sure Trevor's thinking like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? I just saw him back there and now he's next to the gate where I'm at again. Like something's got to be going through his mind. Well, if you all you have to do is um, search the Trevor Dealey CCTV footage on YouTube and this will all come up. And the very odd thing is the way that this guy is behaving. So as Chris said, you have the initial conversation taking place between these two and it looks fine. Trevor doesn't look nervous. You know, they're talking and passing. But then this guy's body mannerisms start to change, right? It's almost as he knows where the cameras are located and that he is being filmed. He's ducking his head. He's turning into the wall. I mean, if I'm Trevor, that's raising all sorts of red flags. Yeah. The the, uh, interesting thing is, and I suppose Trevor just kind of dismissed this behavior, but he... When he goes inside of his building, he's now speaking with a colleague of his that has the night shift in the IT department. But there's no account of him saying anything suspicious went on outside. Like, he didn't say there was some just weird dude outside standing at the gate. You know, it was kind of strange. Almost like, did he just not think anything of it? I mean, you got to remember the time. It's weird because it's it's such a desolate area, too. I mean, like, none of this makes sense. It's almost like this guy was waiting for Trevor... And somebody had been following him from the moment that he left that Buck Whaley's and notified this guy that, you know, he's about to pass by you right now, right? So that's when he hops out. You know, one could take it that way, too. Right. We, we just don't know. So Trevor goes inside. Um, he what answers some emails. You know, he... Uh, speaks with his colleague for a little bit apparently they were discussing you know the party that was going on because his his colleague had to work the, the shift so he couldn't be there so they're just discussing that and then i don't know how long was he in there for he was in there maybe 20 minutes 20 minutes to a half hour but another interesting thing is that he had messaged one of his friends and it was just a, a, a very nonchalant message of basically, hey, how you doing? I miss you. Uh, can't wait to talk to you. See you soon. But why would you make that kind of call at 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, that doesn't add up either. It's almost like did he want the, you know want these guys to see him on the phone to make it look like he was interacting with someone to, you know, in case... Yeah, I don't know. It almost seems like he might have been returning his friend's call. So he said. So he left. He leaves the office at four or three in the morning to take. He's got his umbrella with him, and he's continuing in the direction of his apartment now. And this is when he. he, So he rings his friend, and he leaves a voice note, and you know, it's saying, "Right, like you said, you know, missed you there, just on my way home. All going good. I'll talk to you tomorrow." Almost. I don't know. Was his. Does it seem like he was basically just returning a call and saying, I'm fine, you know, I missed, maybe saying I missed your call, I missed you there? I don't know, but it's... Uh, Well, that could be, maybe, you know, if if his friend was going to 
meet him at that Buck Whaley's or so, you know that would be the only thing that would True. make sense like hey I, I miss you tonight uh, we'll catch up later but I mean if it's just a, a call out of the blue then you know that would seem very God, odd can you imagine if his friend was supposed to meet him out there and how this all would have changed if that was the case yeah man I mean it, it's just a it, it seems to be just a bunch of bad coincidences uh, at that time the the storm the taxi strike you know if his friend was unable to meet with him that night you know just one little thing could have changed and it could have been a completely different outcome so yeah so we have this taxi strike and we're in this is dublin right so you're imagining like most cities maybe even in the early hours of the morning there still would be taxis at least at least to call one you have to you have to imagine that there's overnight service going on so had this strike not happened you know being that it was stormy out and he had a decent walk back to his apartment do you think he probably would have called the taxi back therefore avoiding this entire walk that that could have ended up you know being his de- demise oh absolutely and especially i mean if there's no pre-planned foul play here and it was just a crime of opportunity of course that would have changed the 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 course of his entire life this would never have happened um but you can see from the footage that the streets look desolate you know there there are barely any cars going by and as you said you know taxis are obviously out of service right now but from all reports this was a very bad part of town uh gang activity prostitution uh, drugs um etc so he wasn't walking in the safest of areas and plus he had been intoxicated you know spending a night out drinking whether it's just being buzzed or being completely drunk you're not at your 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 highest level of alertness having been drinking you know so that puts him at another disadvantage right so after this conversation or after he leaves this message with his friend uh, he continues walking. So now this is where the CCTV comes into play again because he is caught on camera walking down the street with an umbrella now. And then shortly after, you see a, a figure dressed in black, just like the one we saw outside the gate of his office, trailing behind him. So now... And this, and this is what the Garda believe to be true as well. This person of interest appears to be the same person who was at the gate speaking with him briefly when he went into his office and who is now trailing him as the, basically, as they fade out of sight. Um, yeah, what's crazy is that, I mean, yeah. the footage is so poor and it's very dark, it's raining... So you're looking at basically two very similar images, you know, all black. A pair, they both appear to be wearing a hood or a hat of some sort. So there's just no way to determine whether or not that these guys are the same person or we are two different people. The only thing that would make me think that we have two different people is from the original footage when Trevor initially walks by and this guy is behind him walking in the 20 feet and somehow emerges in front of Trevor. So was there another person there already? You know what I'm saying? Like, So was that first guy that we saw, was he then 
Also, the guy in the original footage of when Trevor enters the gate. That's an interesting point. So when that guy in the initial footage is on the phone, could he have, could he have been on the phone with a person who met him at the other gate? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, how, like, or was there someone that stopped Trevor on the street there and just held him up for a few minutes? Like, say, do you have a, you know, have smoke or do you have the time or whatnot? Giving this guy time to then reemerge. But, you know, I would be completely fucking bugged out if I had seen somebody in front of me. I walk past them and all of a sudden they're back in front of me, <laughs> you know, especially <laughs> especially on a dark, uh, rainy night. The adrenaline, I would be I'd be walking on water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's And I don't know if that guy what he was asking him for, you know. But you know, Trevor seemed to have kept his composure, he didn't seem nervous. But as I stated before, the guy's body um mannerisms were totally off. It's like he, you know, his head sunk into his shoulders and he's put, putting his face towards the wall so not to be seen basically by the camera. So he had an idea of where he uh, was and what he was doing because he obviously knew where those cameras were located because he was able to hide his identity. Right. Well, we should know also that they, they had recently released, um, and by recently, I mean probably about three years ago in 2017, updated footage of that night um, on the CCTV cameras that had the man in black who was hanging outside the office. They then show two additional men one with an umbrella who was not trevor this is when trevor was still in the building and another man and they're both looking in through the gate and it had seen you know it was this very ominous stare they're just of course anything's going to look creepy when you're looking at this type of footage um this type of grainy footage on a cold wet rainy night you know and when you can't make out the the faces of the individuals you know and it looks like they're kind of hiding but apparently the police had confirmed that two of the gentlemen in the footage were Trevor's co-workers. But for some reason, that just doesn't make sense either. I mean, I'm sure maybe they obviously were his co-workers, but why was the man in black, you know, so close to them looking in the same direction? And why were they never questioned about their interactions with this guy? Because he's, he looks when you see this footage, he looks like he's just hanging out with them. You know, and there seems to be they're almost like they have some sort of plan in mind with the way they're kind of hanging out, right? Yeah, they definitely don't seem like strangers. Um, so when you find out that of those three, that only two of them were known to Trevor from his office, you know, it, it does start to raise some flags. Like, you know, what was... Was he yeah. being set up for something? I mean, you, you just don't... That's how... There are so, such little information and so little leads on this entire case that you just don't know. But I can tell you one thing. After looking at that footage, if I'm Trevor, I'm not leaving that office at gunpoint. <laughs> not at a gunpoint. I'm serious. With the way those two guys are looking in, I am not leaving. But obviously, by the time he left, they were already gone. Right. So when he comes out, there's nobody there. He's just walking out. He's locking the gate behind him. By the way, locking the gate. There's like a chain around this gate to get into your office. You know you're in a dodgy area when you have a freaking giant gate with locks around it outside your office. So 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't think he had a... It doesn't even look like he had a key. It's like... I, I was hard to tell. It like, was just like a chain. He, he kind of bent over when he initially saw the guy when he was coming in. It looked like he was... It looked like he was unlocking like a padlock, but you can't... It's not clear enough to see exactly what it is. <clears throat> but whatever it was, it looks like that he's closing the gate behind him and doing something. And then from what you could see from the angle, it looks like he's leaning his umbrella up against something... Then he's, you know, I don't know if, if, if that's the point where, I, I don't think that was the point where he made the call. I don't think we actually see footage of him making a call. But he then grabs the umbrella and heads out. And then at some point between the footage that we see of him leaving and perhaps the next footage of him walking down the road, he made this call to his friend. And... And that was that was the last footage yeah. that we ever see of right. Trevor, because his friend he called after four o three, and four fourteen is the the last footage that we see of him walking away past um, the AIB bank on the corner of Baga Street Bridge, and um, beautiful. So now, okay. It's the following day, and uh, this is Friday, right? Because the Christmas party was on Thursday. Now, this also plays a factor, because a whole weekend went by without anyone looking for him. So, Friday, he doesn't show up to the office, and people are dismissing it as, oh, you know what, the party was really late last night. Remember, he left at 3.25 in the morning, and they all had work the next day. So they were like, okay, he missed a day, right? So that's no big deal. He was tired, blah, blah, blah. So now the weekend goes by, right? So no one thinks anything is up, right? It's the weekend. Everyone's going home. You know, you're, you're not looking into your coworkers' whereabouts unless your friend's outside of work. And now it's Monday and he doesn't show up again. And now, now comes the flags. Everyone's like, all right, something's up. It's a second day. He's not here. And this is when they go and look into his whereabouts. Oh man, it, it it's just the perfect storm. I mean, like we said, there was the storm that night. There was a taxi strike. And then also, his roommates were away that weekend. So they weren't even there to, you know, notify his parents or somebody was trying to right. call for him to let him know that he had not shown up, you know? So his coworkers just probably assumed he was out too late. Ah, whatever, we'll see him Monday, you know? So. We lose crucial time, 72 hours here, with all these factors coming into play that, unfortunately, we probably never would if, you know, the circumstances yeah, changed so just a little bit. Whatever happens, and obviously we don't, where will we ever know, who knows what, what actually happened, but, you know, it's just, like you said, it's like how all these little things... It was it was like the perfect storm. All these little things that that aligned for this unfortunate situation to happen. I mean, you you, you look at it and the, these the situations that we're describing tonight took place in under an hour. You know, I mean, he first arrives at his building at three thirty-five, right? He enters. He's there for around 40 minutes or so he leaves at 
uh, I have it here, approximately 4.02 a.m. So a little less than 40 minutes. And then he's then last seen walking past the ATM at 4.14 a.m. with the man tailing behind him. And that's the last we ever see of him. You know, so this all happened so quickly. And you got to wonder what the motive was. I mean, was this just a, a crime of opportunity? Was it a mugging or, you know, a robbery? Or were the people there waiting for him to try to get information because he was working at a bank? We don't know. But it definitely yeah. seems... Yeah, you, be, you, um, you could definitely argue the, that perhaps somebody was casing uh, his workplace, you know, at some point, And maybe they were just... But... So here's here would be here would be the weird thing. The only way these people would have known that he was going back to his office at that time of the morning after a party it it seemed like it was on such a whim unless he had relayed this to his workers and one of them right unless one of them relayed it to this guy who was let's just say when he was on the phone he was talking to one of his you know somebody in this this nightclub and following his whereabouts that's the only thing that would make sense because you don't you don't otherwise know because it's when you when you know that when you know the backdrop to the story that seems kind of reasonable and it coincides nicely with it fits nicely with what we see on a CCTV footage so you would see this guy hiding behind this stone pillar jumps out almost he gets a phone call he jumps out it's almost like hey this guy is walking down the street now come out now right so we see this guy jump out talking on his phone trevor walks past him then we get footage 20 feet later and this guy is then back in front of trevor so something held him up while he was out of camera range was he held up by a third person that might have been there or was he having a conversation with this guy in black we don't know but why was this guy then in front of him again yeah. at the second entrance so being that we don't know anything that actually happened whether or not this was just a chance meeting he ran into somebody um after he's out of you know out of sight on the footage or if this was a, this whole thing was set up but what, what would it appear that the garda are leaning towards a chance meeting with potentially a known criminal in the area um being this is a bad area and and you know it's no stranger to to criminal activity that's that's the likely you know the likely outcome that they're going with here but you know at this point following up with this missing persons case now once the alarm bells went off at work that he's now not shown up for two days. His family, who you would you get the vibe that they're pretty close knit family, in terms of each of the siblings and and the parents. Oh yeah, they 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 have never given up hope and they've worked tirelessly for you know we're going on a, the twentieth anniversary and what what a a job that they have done you know um continuing to keep trevor's name in the spotlight and to put pressure on you know the investigation to continue and it's not like you know they they it's not like the uh um the police have 
ever given up. You know, they had searched all of the uh, waterways, the Grand Canal, which is there, uh, the basin, which is close by. You know, they've sent divers in. They've searched the waterways endlessly and just nothing because they thought, you know, there was the potential of an accidental drowning. You know, the high winds, the alcohol, all these factors that come into play. They thought there was the potential for him to have accidentally fallen into the canal and drowned, but they have never been able to locate anything, not even the umbrella. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because, you know, and what kind of great investigative work, I guess. So they, when you had mentioned, like, they're they're scaling this canal uh, or going through to, to see if they can find anything, they even consider draining the Grand Canal Basin to kind of see if they could find anything but unfortunately because apparently it was going to affect the structural integrity of, of the buildings around it they were they weren't actually allowed yeah, to do it that's correct but like that that's crazy like that they're willing to do basically anything at this point to, to help this family out and in fact you know and as you would expect a loving family to obviously not let this go but even uh, a detective, um, he actually makes a comment saying that he, he, I've never worked on a case where the family were so proactive. So like these these people are, I mean, they're covering every post they could find, you know, with pictures of him missing this. You know, they're they're doing everything in their power to find out some sort of information about his disappearance. And you're talking about now in December of this year, it'll be 20 years, and they still have gotten nothing. They did, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong here, in 2017, there was a tip from a a um, informant. In December of 2016, the new investigation was opened, and that's when we got that uh, enhanced footage with the other men standing outside the gate. Um, not just the man, the man that we initially saw. So we went from one man in black to three men in black. Right. It, it's the, in man the in second black. enhanced footage. Yeah. Uh, so in this month now there is actually an, uh, a reward and it's a pretty hefty one. It's a hundred thousand pounds. Um, or actually no, that's a hundred. <laughs> it's a hundred thousand euro. Euros. Uh, reward and now there's an informant that's giving information saying that trevor was indeed murdered the night of his disappearance by a crumlin which is a region in ireland a crumlin criminal that that that's apparently known to the garda they don't release his name for legal reasons uh unfortunately i guess <laughs> if he well, because like we said we're we're, we're we're dealing with an area that was, you know, right. It's huge drug activity, prostitution. Um, there are gangs in the area. And, so, and, and it actually was mentioned that, so the person, the, the person that this informant is speaking about, apparently that person's family was also very big into crime. And to this day, apparently since that point where the informant was reaching them, that two of family members of this person that that the informant is speaking of actually are were deceased at this point from any whatever it be drug related or some other crime activity 
so there's a lot going on in this this family in particular again we don't have any names for legal reasons so there's no way to really investigate into it but uh so now but he does say that it was uh it was a chance encounter that's you know, what based on right. the neighborhood that he was in that's that's what they're going with there is no hard evidence for anything to to prove any point here but they're they're i think they're just grabbing anything they can at point so this at this point so this informant tells them that trevor was murdered that night by this person and he makes it even sound this informant makes it even sound like he's you know he's feels too guilty to keep this secret anymore so he's really selling this whether it's true or not we have no idea but he goes as far as to say that there's a remote area um like a wooded area where where his body was apparently buried and that was in the Shepelazad, uh which is a suburb in dublin so now in august they're going through three acres and that's not very far. That's not too far from where Trevor. No, I mean, it's still in Dublin, scene, right? So I'm not sure how far it was. About less than a mile. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's quite close. So, it does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, that's the area that he was, he went missing in. You know, whether or not this guy's fibbing or, or not, they're they're willing to look into it. It's been so many years. This case is, you know, the family is obviously not letting this go because they reopened the case in 2016 this happened in 2000 and they so they they excavate this area but they they don't find anything and i mean i i believe they did find a handgun or uh, some other contraband or what, but not unrelated to uh the daily case um and it says that the search was called off in september uh as the garday said at the time that they had not found anything that would be able to assist them in the case. So it's just ended up being another dead end. And that's what this case seems to be filled with, just dead ends. You would think that they would close the case there and that maybe the family would say, all right, you know, we'd have to let this go, you know, but they don't. And it's again in 2019, around his time that he was missing in December, um, they are now searching for more information anyone who's got any new information they want you know so the case has still really been reopened and it's it's still pretty active at this point yeah it's never been closed i mean and that's the that's a testament to trevor's entire family i mean they have just not given up and i don't think they're going to give up until there's resolution here at least till they have some answers and that's what they absolutely deserve um is an answer to find out what happened to their son to me looking at all the evidence i would say it's one of two things i I, I initially was leaning towards um a drowning but i mean i I think there's just a crime of opportunity walking alone um you know, he looked well put together, so they maybe assumed that he had money. You know, they, you know, you talk in early 2000, he had a cell phone, so that not too many people had at that point. So maybe they thought, you know, seeing that he was probably swaying a little bit, looked intoxicated, that he was an easy mark. And, you know, one thing led to another. Maybe he put up a fight or something. 
And, you know, worst case scenario was that he was murdered. I mean, that's just, that's, that's one, one um, hole going down this rabbit hole. You know, it could go a million different ways. But I would definitely assume that the man in black was involved in his disappearance. And uh, the family being interviewed, um, they, uh, the father corrected after this person was interviewing them when they used Trevor's name in the past tense. And, you know, you could just tell that this family is just not willing to let go. And, you know, he, he corrected him and, and basically said, you know, that until, until it's made very clear, you know, that that he's not still alive, that they're, they're going to still believe that he's still out there and that there's still hope for for him being found alive. And it, and that's just sad. I mean, anyone else from the outside would say, right, and it's it might be easy for us to say that, you know, that at this point you just got to let go and you got to you got to know that you know he's gone that you know whatever whatever happened you know resulted in you know in his death and you know that's like i said that's easier for us to say but it's tough for the family to swallow yeah i mean I, that's you know as being a parent myself i mean i would you would never be able to give up hope you know if there's uh, the most remote chance of finding him or you know getting some sort of answer to what's happening here. I mean, you're, you're going to do it uh, regardless. Um, but they continue their search for him, and the police are working on continuously on trying to get more answers. Uh, continues to lead the investigation, following up on new leads, uh, constantly reviewing this footage that they have, enhancing it. And we don't know. I mean, they, they've put out... Um, a plea to the man in the video to come clean, you know, if identify yourself, if you had nothing to do with this, but obviously, you know, 20 years have passed now and he is not coming forward and who knows? I mean, maybe he had nothing to do with it either. So we're right back where we started. That's, uh, that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, sad as, as a lot of these cases that will end up going through, you know, a lot of, a lot of them don't have any resolution. It's it's just a very sad fact. But that's just it, sometimes you just can't get enough facts to solve the case. And I mean, I hate that fucking word closure. You know, it's like there there is no closure to these events, especially when you find out that your child was murdered or and died. You know, there's no closure to that. But you definitely want to know. You need you need you know as a parent, you would need an answer. You know, so we can just hope that one day they eventually get that. Well, next week's going to be a little bit lighter of an episode. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Ooh, um, it is. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to even talk about it. I'm going to leave it a secret until uh, next week. Um, but <laughs> I hope <laughs> I hope you're ready, pal, because uh, you're going to play a big role in this one. <laughs> The hell I am. <laughs> All right, bud. Let's head back to the States. All right. Do you have your passport? Check. <laughs> Do you have your boarding pass? <laughs> ch 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 chickity check. 
Now, the big question is, though, do you have your seatbelt on? That's a big... And four. All right, pal, let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will we see, will see you, you next we time. We will see you guys. Bye-bye. All right, not bad. I have a lot of fucking editing to do on this.